Welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast, where we offer solutions to the obstacles you face when it comes to achieving your health and fitness goals. As a married couple who's lost a combined weight of 100 kilograms and 11 clothes sizes, our raw, real, and relatable stories will show you the path you must walk to achieve, and more importantly, maintain the results you know you can reach, because we know it works. So get ready to share the success and show the results with your hosts, Matt and Courtney. Hello and welcome back to season nine. I am here with Matt. Hello. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about Matt. Indeed. So Matt's biggest challenges mm. is what we I, are going to be discussing today. I'm up first and you're next. Mm-hmm. So is there anything that you want to talk about <laughs> before we get started? Dive straight into your biggest challenges. Well, I think the the purpose of you and I having these episodes really is to, I suppose, get out to you listening like, hey, we've been doing this for a long time, but you know what? We're human as well. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good to sort of break down the barriers because often, and I've been guilty of this as well, you look at people that have either done what you want to do or you know, some sort of role models or inspirations or leaders to you and you think, oh, yeah, they're obviously better at all this than I am. Like, well, maybe not. It's just a case of working over time to overcome similar things. Yes. To what, you know, everyone goes through. Like, I'm going to – I've written out what I feel have been my biggest challenges along the way to this point and – given how long I've been doing this with clients for now as well, there's nothing on here that is coming out of left field like, wow, wow, no one goes through this. Like, <laughs> I'm just like everyone else. Mm. It'll just be, I suppose, with you and I, Courtney, having an episode each, it's our perspective. Yes. You know, the way we view things. And uh, I suppose also discussing well, how, do, how have we moved past these challenges. I think that's one thing. It's one thing to call them out. It's another to say, well, okay, what have I actually done to improve upon these things and to either put them in the rearview mirror or you know, navigate around things despite them? Yes. If that makes sense. It does. So Courtney's job is to grill me like a steak and I'll get you back when it's your turn. Yes. I'm sure you will. So shall I start or would you like to start? Well, let's kick things off with I know you've you've semi-prepared for this podcast. You can't prepare too much. Well, uh, we, we prepared. I've prepared to, this, to the point where I know what I'm going to be hitting on, mm. but I don't know what you're going to be slinging back at me. Well, no, and you also just don't know where the, the conversation's going to lead, but we've got... Isn't that like every episode we've ever done? Pretty much. We've got a couple of dot points of just some some biggest challenges that you've marked down that you just wanted to really touch on. Yeah, and what I've done is as well, I have actually laid these out in chronological order. Of how? Of what significance? Of, well, chronological, time-based, of when they've come up along the way. Okay, yeah. So I because get the time base, but I just don't understand the yeah, didn't understand the same as it. So back when 
like just furthest long ago. Well, it goes from the it goes from from right back to when, from when I started through to current day. Yep. Of how the challenges that are affecting you that have popped up along the way. Yeah. Because the thing is, it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking to yourself, "Oh, well." I'm going to work on all these things at once and I'll solve all these problems at once. Like, no, what's actually going to happen is you're going to have problems that you you struggle with at the beginner level mm-hmm. and then as you start to move past them, you'll inherit the intermediate problems. Yes, okay. As you improve and then you improve beyond intermediate stages and you start to get a little bit more advanced with things. It doesn't mean you're problem-free. It means you graduate to the next level of problems. Yes. And the next level of challenges. Yes. So for me, I've just laid it out chronologically. Yep, that makes sense. Cool. Let's get stuck in. (laughs) All right, so first one, fear of being seen in public. Which is part of of what sort of triggers an original snap point is you just get sick of those times when you would, you know, you spend – 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes looking for an outfit to wear that doesn't make you look so fat Mm. in public, assuming you actually go out because you might just think, oh, this is too hard, fuck it. I'm going to avoid that social event because I'm not comfortable with how I look. Yes. So anyone that's met me, and you know Courtney because, well, you've met me and, hey, we're married, I take up a lot of space. Yes. I'm a physically large human being tall, powerfully built. But when when I was at my heaviest, like I took up a lot of a lot of space. So often when you're overweight, you want to try and shrink yourself, minimize yourself, hide mm. to some extent. There's no hiding for me. Like my career as a ninja was very short lived. Because <laughs> my my if if my life was a role playing game, my stealth statistic would be like zero. Yes. So for me, the biggest challenge was was being seen in public, which then extended to the thought of exercising and and gymming it, because it's like, well, you know, you think people are judging you, mm. when in fact it is you judging yourself. Yes. Ninety nine times out of a hundred, yes, sure, there are some assholes out there that will judge you, but no one judges you more than you, you judge yourself. Yes. So for me, it was all anxiety based around how I look because there's no confidence there. So, well, if I don't like what I see. Why would anyone else like what they see? Mm. And I found that really, really difficult to the point where I would I would have particularly bad days. I would call in sick at work, not because I was sick. I just didn't want to be seen. Yeah. Or you'd have, for me, bordering on anxiety attacks going into work going out into public because it's like, say say for me when I was younger, I did a lot of work in retail, which just quietly I don't miss. Yeah. But a lot of work in retail, so we're talking about, you know, shop fronts, shopping centres, things like that. For On some particularly bad days, getting out of the car at the car park, knowing you're going to walk through a crowded shopping centre was was hard. And some days it wouldn't happen. Mm. So there's that. Yeah. 
Not a nice feeling. That's terrible, but it's a reflection of your level of confidence or lack thereof. So how do you overcome that? Well, it takes time, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and like, and building up confidence in yourself. Mm. And that's not something that happens overnight. I'm sure you'll have, you know, the occasional toss bag social media influencer that's like, oh, just believe in yourself and it'll happen. Like, fuck off. Yeah. You got to work it. You got to work it consistently over a sustained period of time. You got to earn it. Mm. Now, of course, there's yeah, going public, cool. Yeah. I've, I've done, you've been there, Court. You've done public speaking events. Yes. You know, like, like our podcast goes out globally. Yes. Well, I, I don't give a rat's ass anymore. But where I was then to where I am now, that's a lot of, that's a lot of distance to cover and it's taken time. Mm. Yeah, that's understandable. You know, so I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, if, you got, if you, you're someone that's got anxiety about going out in public and being seen in social events and things like that, like I, I get it. I understand, but I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you can get past it quickly. You probably won't, mm. but you can. It's It just takes time and effort and repetition and sometimes you'll have your good days, sometimes you have your bad days. That's okay. It's part of being human, isn't it? Yes, it is. So, yeah, I'm not sure what else I would, would say about that, that. Yeah. Nice. All right. So the next one on your list you had was excuses not to exercise. Yeah. So – Stop me, this sounds familiar. You sign up to a gym, you don't go. Stop. <laughs> Indeed. So I call it the gym charity where you are donating money out of your bank account to a gym and you aren't attending it. Yes. So I was guilty of that as well. So you know, I'd tell myself reasons why oh, I can't go today. Yes. You know, I'm not too tired. Oh, I had a big day at work and oh, just, I just haven't got it in me. I'm too stressed. Uh, or <laughs> this is how I found out that motivation is bullshit because oh, I'm just not motivated to go this week. Yep. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, see, so I talked myself out of it, but also part of the excuses to not exercise were related to the fear of being seen in public. So going to the gym and being like, oh, well, shit that they're all going to look at me mm. that's terrifying yeah same with the thought of you know exercising outdoors in public spaces like you know you go for a drive you might see someone going for a going for a run on the pathway like fantastic good on them but the thought of that to me scared the shit out of me you just give yourself reasons not to do it yeah so I when I was especially a beginner with this, I was very, very good at talking myself out of things. Mm. Whereas these days I'm good at talking myself into things. Yes. But much much like the first point about the fear of being seen in public, it's a confidence thing mm. and that takes time. Yes. So for me, I didn't have access at the time to my own home gym. So for some people, they can sort of bridge this gap by you know learning how to exercise effectively at home and then starting to gradually bridge the gap by going out. Yes. More often. But 
that can be a different thing as well, where for some people having the, ex- the, the gym equipment at home can almost be detrimental. How? Explain how. Well, I mean, you go home to do your exercise session and you find yourself on the couch. No, I'm not getting up. Mm. As an aside, it's also a similar challenge to when you work from home. Yes. Man, there are a lot of distractions at home. Yes, there are. And you've got to be like right on top of things. Mm. Like a different, a different example, but like our office where Courtney and I record this very podcast is literally like 10 feet from my games room. Yes. So that it, there's a distraction, a potential distraction there every single day. Yes. But it can be the same thing with gym setups at home. Oh, you know, I'm going home from work to go do my workout in the garage and all of a sudden I'm on the couch eating ice cream. Yes. So it's, the, the whole point is for me it was just giving myself outs mm. to not exercise today or, you know, I'll go tomorrow, I'll go tomorrow, I'll go tomorrow. Shit, I'll go next week. Yes. So all of a sudden you become one of those people where you'll be like, well, I exercise once for a day or two and I take a couple of weeks off and then I might come back next month and inconsistency. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. So in terms of getting past that, I think not just the confidence thing, but you know, why are you doing it to begin with? Mm. Like you look at goal setting, no one in their right mind should like their goal is not my goal is to exercise. Like no, you, no, your goal is not to exercise. Exercise is a tool. Mm. Why would you use the tool? Yeah. So in terms of overcoming that, for me, like when I had my my sort of original snap point, the excuses stopped. Mm. And that'll be that'll be different from person to person. Like not every snap point's the same. No. You know, some are a bit more subtle. Mine was not subtle. But the excuses go away when you have a clear reason, like this is why I'm doing this. Yeah. Yes. And it, it starts to become easier to reject your own bullshit when you have reasons to do so. Yeah. I think I think the key in that though is that it starts to become easier. I still think that oh, there's always going to be somewhat of a battle. Like there's always going to be times that you slip up or whatever. But no one's perfect. No. And I almost would say it's not so much that it becomes easier that you actually just get better at it. Yep. Like every time I leave the house to say, go to the gym, go to a, a martial arts session, go out for a run or a walk, whatever it might be, I could just as easily put my butt on the couch, fire up, insert console, video game console here and play games instead. Yep. <laughs> you know. I get that. Mm. No, not the video games part, but yeah, <laughs> I get well, the concept. Hit, hit the couch, on goes Netflix, and well, now all of a sudden I'm just binge watching Big Bang Theory. That's right. That sounds more like me. <laughs> um, all right. Um, happy to move on to the next one? I am if you are. Yep, let's move on. So the next one that you have on your list is scared of big gyms. Should this just be gyms in general? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Scared of gyms in general. One thing I've learned through just good old-fashioned experience, for a lot of people, and I was one of them, an initial fear of gyms will be based around, again, that anxiety of how you look. 
Mm-hmm. Like, oh, the, these gyms are filled with these big, buff, strong, fit people, and here's me looking like I just rolled up out of the Pacific Ocean. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I doing in this place? What, what is it? What is it that we tell ourselves when we're overweight? The gyms are for fit people. Yeah, yeah. I can't go there. No, I can't go there. They're, they're, obviously, the the flaw in that logic is apparent. Yes. However, <laughs> we're all human, and like I've been guilty of telling myself that when I was younger. Oh, gyms are for fit people. Yes. Obviously, now years and years later, I you know I know that's gyms are where you go to become one of those people. But it's different when you're first starting out and you've got, again, no self-confidence. But I actually think for a large percentage of people, and I was one of them, the fear of gyms, even more so than what you look like, the fear you have around gyms is because you don't know what you're doing Mm -hmm. and you don't want to look silly. Silly, yeah, absolutely. And I was the exact same. Like I'll never, ever forget the first time I tried to do a bench press, a barbell bench press, I was too weak to do the barbell. Mm. I felt like a goose. I can understand anyone's perspective where you rock up to the gym, you know you're going to the gym, but you don't know what you're doing once you walk in the doors. Yeah. That is fucking terrifying because – Again, one of the other, another thing you'll tell yourself is, well, everyone else in there knows what they're doing. I mean, obviously, that's not the case. No. At all. But, you know, the things you tell yourself when you're a beginner and you've got no plan. Yep. You've got no structure. You've got no approach. Mm-hmm. I think plan and structure are the key words. Yeah. Easy, easy to be terrified because you think, well, you know, am I going to hurt myself mm-hmm. in here? Am I going to look silly? Are people going to judge me or you know, look at me or talk about me or whatever it might be? And that does stem from I never knew what the fuck I was doing. Yeah. Like I knew I was going to the gym, just don't ask what I was going to do when I got there. Yeah. Now in terms of overcoming the fear of big gyms, number one way to – or fear of gyms, I'm sorry – Number one way to overcome a fear of gyms is to have a plan. Mm. Now, not everyone is, obviously, I'm in a very privileged position where I've had the education to know how to, to develop know a plan. precisely how to develop a plan. So, yes. like, even, even when I'm between my actual structured programs on, on like a deload period, and I still, I still go to the gyms to keep active and keep the habit up. Even when I go into the gym without a program, I still have a plan. Yes. In my head. I know exactly what I'm fucking doing. Yes. But it's a, it's a privileged position to have that. Yes. So I can't sit here and say to you listening, oh, well, if, you, if you're scared of gyms, ah, just create structure for yourself. Yeah, just Easier just said than it. done. <laughs> given that the bulk of personal trainers out there stealing people's money don't give their clients structure. So you're not going to say to the general public, oh, well, just add structure to your training. Just... You know, make it progressive, periodize it, like set set a training block, have a rest period. Like now this no. is this is formal education. No. Yeah. So talk to someone. Mm. I had people help me to begin with. Yep. Like if I ever got the chance to catch up again with the original owner of the first gym I ever joined, I would give him a hug right now. Yeah. 
because he gave me structure to begin with because he could see I was winging it. But I, I kept – I was at the stage where I was showing up. Yeah. Which is obviously the – it's the first step with learning how to be – learning how to use a gym is learn how to go first, mm-hmm. learn how to get there. Once you get there, you can you can add structure on. But the first ever – the first owner of the first gym I joined saw what was going on, pulled me aside and like, oh, hey, mate, you know, you're coming in here pretty regularly. Do you want Do you want some help setting this up like a program? Like, yeah, sure. He just gave me a three-day split, push-pull legs. Nice. So I going, okay, cool. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. All right, start there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you start to develop structure. And all of a sudden, it's very different. And we see it with our clients. Clients that come to us and they're fairly intimidated by going to gyms. Yep. And we're like, you know what? We'll help you remove that pretty quickly because we'll give you plan and structure. Yeah. And it's, it's a very different proposition, as you know yourself, Courtney, when you walk into a gym and you know this is what's on today's agenda. Yes. These are my exercises. These are my sets. These are my reps. Once you've been going long enough, you know, this is the weight I did last week and this is the weight I'm going to do this week. This week. Yep. You've got metrics you can you can aim for. So adding adding structure to your training will help you overcome a fear of gyms really, really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. That actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. That actually is a quick fix. Wow! Just add structure. Yep. So now, as you'll attest to, Courtney, I walk around gyms like I own the joint. Mm. That's just earned confidence. Yeah, you do, <laughs> and yeah, it is. Yeah. Love that. Um, all right. Next on your list, we'll move on to the next one, which is trying too hard. To fit in to in with social situations, how many people do you reckon drink just because the people around them are drinking? I'd say a lot, actually. More so than they actually want to drink themselves. Yeah, I'd say a lot. Yeah, guilty. Mm. Wasn't the only reason I drank. A big reason or reasons for why I used to drink so heavily were around running away from negative feelings like numbing anxiety, you know, masking poor self-confidence, you know, as a terrible way to deal with negative emotions, but also part of my drinking and... Alcoholic drinking. Yeah, yeah. Clarify, yeah. yeah, Alcoholic, yeah. But also it was the done thing, Mm. the culture thing. Yeah. Like you're young, you're out on a Friday night or a Saturday night or one followed by the other, and, well, everyone else is getting tanked. Well, I guess I should be too. There's an expectation. You think there's an expectation. But there's not. Well, you tell yourself there is. Yeah. So you go out with a group of friends and you haven't quite built full confidence in yourself and they say, what are you drinking? It's hard to say I'm having water tonight. Yeah, it is. It is hard to say. So, that. Oh, I'll have uh, I'll have some rum and coke or whatever it might be, three or four of them. All of a sudden, you start downing a whole bunch of different types of of bevos. Yes. What usually follows after a good night of drinking? Terrible food. The kebabs, mm. buddy. The two a.m. kebabs. The terrible food choices. The McDonald's drive-throughs. 
but a lot of a lot of it was based around trying to fit in with everyone else as opposed to actually being myself. Yep. If you if I'm being really brutally honest about it, it's it's disingenuous to who you are for in a lot of, in a lot of cases. It's unauthentic. But you haven't got the confidence to, you know, set your own boundaries. Mm. And that was very, very hard for me. Yep. And it took that was another one that took time that comes with confidence, like, no, hey, hang on. This is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. This is why it's important to me. Mm. And this is why I'm going to have the guts to say no. No. Mm -hmm. Now, I can say saying no in social situations does get easier with practice. It does get easier and you get better at the same time. Yep. It's that first sort of initial hump to get over is really hard because you think to yourself, well, if I say no, what are they going to think of me? Yeah. Are they still going to want to hang out with me? Mm. I'll tell you something. If you've got friends, personal opinion here, if you've got friends and your entire friendship is based around the consumption of alcohol, like what is your friendship really? Mm. Good friendships are deeper than that. Yep. I think obviously good friendships can and probably should include meaningful drinks and social events together, obviously. But the whole thing's based around getting getting lubed up. Mm. Yeah. But to take it a step further, if you've got friends and all you do together is drink, and you think to yourself, well, if I say no, are they gonna are they gonna, you know, not want to hang out with me? If that was actually the case, they're not your friends. Mm. The good ones have got you back no matter what. So as I found out when I started to say no. I found out I had some really, really good friends. Nice. Because there's no pressure. Now, if there were to be pressures, you know, things need to be looked at or a discussion may need to take place. Yeah. But that's a, a hardship that you were lucky that you didn't have to go through because your friends were so accepting straight away. Oh, I had to go through it in different areas. In that particular area, no. Yeah. Not so much, but there are ways to approach that, which the, the first way to approach that, if you've, if you've decided that, you know what, I'm not going to be the sort of person now that's going to you know, be disingenuous to myself and I'm, I'm going to stop trying so hard to fit in with these situations and just do what I want to do, if you're getting pushback, the first thing that needs to happen is a discussion. Yep. Like, hey, just so you know, I'm, I'm doing whatever it might be for whatever my reasons are, here's how you can help me. Very often you can you can and probably should coach up your support network. Yep. And in some ways, without without being sort of rude about it, it's sort of firing a shot across the bow of people like, hey, like I'm trying to do something here. Like, you know, get behind me. Don't get in front of me mm. with this. And if people around you are supporting you in those endeavors, well, you probably need to do an assessment of who's around you. Yep. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think it's a really good one to touch on, really important. Where these days, if I don't want to drink, I'm not going to drink. No. If I don't want to eat something, I say no. No, thanks. Mm. I skin off my teeth. Yeah. But again, that is a, that's a gap that takes a while to bridge mm. Mm. as well. But it starts with just having the guts to begin with by saying, you know what, this is not for me. Yeah. I can still hang out with my friends. I can still be social. I can still be fun. 
<laughs> I'm still a fun person. Well, as as I found out, as I've as I've gotten older and more confident within myself, I'm more fun sober than I would be drunk. Because if I get drunk, I get tired and I go to sleep. Yeah. Yep. I, I can't be fun when I'm. Some people might say I'm fun when I'm asleep. So <laughs> I'm less annoying. But no, I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a really important one. All right. Moving on to the next one on your list, uh, which is also a really, really big one, uh, time management. Yeah, time management, massive. challenge. <laughs> massive and has presented itself in different ways yep. over, over time. So I'm not going to step too much on our time management episode for this season, but just from a personal perspective, so often – We've all got this. Okay, let's be be honest about this. Obviously, we've all got the same amount of time in a week, every day, day yeah. week, month, year as the next person. But that time starts to get get eroded when you find yourself saying yes to all these different things, all these different people, and you start to say yes to more and more and more things. Now, as you say yes to more things, what's the first thing people like us will generally say no to? Ourselves, yeah, of course. Like, I've got to, st- I've got to stay back and, and just help out here at work, even though you don't need to. I'm going to stay back and help out. Oh, I'll just go to the gym tomorrow, which may or may not even occur. No. Or oh, no, I've got to, I've got to go help someone out with 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 this thing, and oh, I'll just hit the gym on the weekend. Maybe. Maybe. So time management and saying yes to too many things was a big. A big problem, but time management, time management challenges evolved over time. Where as I got better at personal time management, you then have the time management when you get into you know, work, you know, business, business owner, like you know, business owners, mm-hmm. and then the, the time management issues of working from home. Yep, I'll tell you something: working from home a lot harder of a time management challenge than I realised because you can have so much time you end up wasting it. Yes. I think I think for me, with the challenges of time management, the first the first step in improving one's time management is being honest about what your non negotiables are. Here are the things that are most important to me, the things I will not say no to or the people I won't say no to. My list of non-negotiables is very, very small. I'm also, my personal health is on that list of non-negotiables, so that's why I don't miss things like gym sessions. Do I? No. That's why I don't skimp on things like food prep, even though I fucking hate it. But it still gets done. So I've got a list of non-negotiables, it's like, righto, these are the things that no matter what's happening in my life, I'm not, I'm not taking a backward step on. Well, these are the people. Then from there, everything else is negotiable. And I think part of, part of time management, part of improving at time management is having the guts to, again, say no. Mm. Sorry, I can't do that. Easier said than done. I totally get it. But something that's easy that comes, it comes with practice. Yeah. The first couple of times are the hardest, you know, but also I think also understanding 
with time management. Like we're, we're all human. There's only so much energy that we got, only so much focus, obviously only so much time. Like, yes, we've all got the same amount of time as everyone else, but it's still a finite amount. Mm. You know, so big thing for me about improving time management is being non-negotiables and also knowing through just repetition and practice how to prioritise tasks. These are the things that need to be attended to immediately. These are the things that probably don't need to be. And being honest about, you know, what's worth doing now, what's worth doing soon, what's worth doing later. Yep. But a big thing for me as well with with time management as it relates to, say, exercise is a big one for people. Yeah, I'm too busy to exercise. I treat my exercise and the time invested in my exercise, I treat it like I would treat, say, an appointment with the doctor or the dentist or taking a, a, a pet to the vet. I make it an appointment. Yeah, yep. It's an appointment with me. Mm. Part of, not everyone can relate to this, but for me it's also like, well, it's a KPI as part of my job. Like a PT that doesn't go to the gym. Mm, Not the best. Red flag. I really like though the the idea of looking at it as an appointment. I think trying to find something like that is really important because it's finding something that's going to really incentivize your brain to see it as a non just it, it's not flexible as flexible as your brain wants to make it well said yeah well said so you think i could actually relate this to when i used to work before i became did this for a living before i became pt working working in the office you might have staff meetings management meetings when I was working in construction, site meetings, things like that, they're in your calendar, aren't they? Yeah. Yep. You know, got a got a site meeting on Tuesday at one o'clock. Well, hey, I've got to be there. It's non-negotiable. It's part of my job. It's in the calendar. Or, you know, every second week you might have a, a department staff meeting, you know, before everyone everyone starts work. Department staff meeting at 8 30 a.m. Mm. All right. So, you know, every second Wednesday, I've got to be at the office a little bit earlier to make sure I'm there for the department staff meeting. How's, how's it any different with your own exercise? Yeah, but as you touched on before, I think it's because it's yourself. It's, you, you automatically, brain feels like it's easy just to forego. I think you use the word flexible, Courtney. I think so often we are too flexible with our own what should be non-negotiables. Yeah. I, I, I will sit here and tell you when it comes to my non-negotiables, I am rigid. Yeah. There is no pushing me off those marks. I also think that I really like the term non-negotiable. and Well, so good. we started, did the podcast episode about it. Yeah, and it was really only when you started using using the term and the phrase um, is when it I started and it and it really resonated with me. Like I just think that that term is just such a perfect way to categorize things. Does it still really help you now? Helps, yeah. It really helps prioritize things. And I don't even think just in terms of weight loss. I think just in terms of my entire life. Yeah, for sure. In my work, it it also helps. Um, definitely, I think over the last several years, I've got a lot better at prioritization and delegation within my work, but. I think being able to sit there and really think about 
what am I, what are my non-negotiable tasks that I just have to be done today and listing those out. And then what are the tasks after that? And then trying to figure out, okay, am I going to get those done or who's going to do them? Can they just wait? So I look at non-negotiable tasks now in literally everything. And I think it's just such a great term because to me, it really is, it just, it doesn't have that flexibility in it. I just think it's a term that really just like grounds the task. Well, it shouldn't have any flexibility. The unfortunate truth is that for a lot of us, it does. And so you'll see it with people, with people, I'll see it in my line of work as a coach or a PT, whatever phrase you'd like to use. Easy to say, yes, I am a non-negotiable in my life. Let's see it in action. Yeah. And, and it you comes see with it, practice. It, it does come with practice and you'll see it with people and myself. You see it reflected in the choices we make. You see it reflected in, in what are our priorities. Like, give an example from a from a coaching perspective. If a client says to me, yes, I am a non-negotiable in my life and they keep missing gym sessions, no, you're not. If you were a non-negotiable, you wouldn't miss them. Yeah. So from a, say, going back to that example of hitting your gym sessions, make them appointments and then extend that to things like meal planning and preparation. Mm. People are very flexible on that too. Yes. And just wing it and I'll, I'll just get it done later on and all of a sudden life does what life does, pops up some random shit out of nowhere and, oh, I've been caught out. Oh, I've got nothing to eat. Rule of proximity. Fuck. McDonald's again. Yeah, the nothing to eat thing just is a killer. The certain tasks that are required for a successful transformation, weight loss transformation, all those tasks should become non-negotiables. They are requirements of success. And it leads with it, it ties into time management. You make the time for the things that are most important to you. Mm-hmm. And if you're not on that list of real non-negotiables, you're not going far. No. Because something will get in the way. Something, someone, circumstances, you're easily knocked off of course. Easy. Yet if you are a genuine non-negotiable and what you want to achieve for yourself is a genuine non-negotiable, you'd be surprised how when life throws some haymakers at you, you're still getting it done. Yeah. I think, I think that's a skill and a trait. I've, I'll give myself some credit. I've developed very, very well. And hopefully you can attest to this one, wife. I don't get knocked off course easily. No, you don't. Resilience muscle is pretty good. And only getting better. Yes, I agree. Um, all right, next one. Imposter syndrome. Oof, massive. Big, big. Big one here, imposter syndrome. A lot of people, a lot of people are probably nodding along with you right now, saying, "Oh yes, I know what that is." Yeah, imposter syndrome is an easy way to talk yourself out of things. Yes. So maybe give us a, an overview first of what imposter syndrome means. Yep. Just for those who maybe haven't heard it before or aren't a hundred percent sure. Okay. Well, it is. Doubting yourself at a certain application yep, or a certain role or a certain status. Mm-hmm. 
So I'll give an easy one. Yep. Uh, a, a, the most recent example of my imposter syndrome, which, yeah, it hasn't hasn't popped up for a little while now, but the most recent example was when Courtney and I decided to start a podcast. And what went through my head was, you're just a PT, who would listen to you doing a podcast? And I was having thoughts in my mind about, you know, is this really something that we should do? Who's, who's going to want to listen to us? Yep. You, you, just, you just PTs. Stay in your lane. So I almost succumbed to the imposter syndrome. Glad I didn't. Because, boy, things have changed since we've done this podcast. Yeah. To say the least. The doors it's opened have just been like you would never guess. Mm. You know, but that was classic imposter syndrome. But it goes back a step further. So when I first became a PT, I started, as many PTs do, in commercial gyms. Yep. You know, cutting your teeth, getting some experience, Mm -hmm. building up a client base, building up testimonials, Mm -hmm. you know, social proof as we call it. You know, getting earning your stripes, and my my coach at the time put the idea in my head. I, you know, you're ready to go start your own gym. Yeah, my response was, "That's not me. Mm. I, I wouldn't succeed at that. I had to get pushed. Almost, I'm not going to use the word bullied. Yeah, but I really got pushed hard. I got the boot up my butt to start the gym that we had Courtney but at the time I didn't think I was ready for it Mm. so you as a part of imposter syndrome is you don't think you're ready for something so you keep yourself at lower levels yep when there are opportunities to level up Mm -hmm. in some ways you give yourself reasons as to why you should stay right where you are in your comfort zone Mm. that's a big part of what Imposter syndrome is you talk yourself out, talk yourself out of things, and it was a similar situation to when the idea was given to me. Like, hey, this is a number of years ago now. Hey, you've had a lot of success as a PT. It would be really, really good if you started coaching PTs yourselves and helping PTs with their own businesses, with their own clients, and things like that. Oh, I can't do that. No way. And then I did. I couldn't teach others. <laughs> I can't teach others. That's also lead, a leadership thing as well. I mean, yeah. I even I even had that that sort of concern when I decided to become a PT. Who's going to want to listen to me? Yeah. Who's going to want to take direction from me? Oh, what I've done is not special. Anyone can do what I've done. Yeah. As I've since learned, actually, no. I downplayed my achievements so much going into the into working in this line of work that I thought, well, there are heaps of people who've done what I've done. Mm. Actually, no, there aren't. No. As I've discovered over time. But again, part of imposter syndrome, no, I'll take direction from you. Mm. I mean, shit, I even thought I would be just I would just repel female clients. I went into becoming a PT thinking if I ever have more than five total female clients in my entire career, I'll be shocked 
literally 95% of my clients have been female. Yeah. I thought I would just repel them, you know? Yep. You, you think you know things, don't you? Well, you always do. We make a lot of assumptions, don't we all? But I think... Um, That's also part of imposter syndrome, you know, is making an assumption that you're not ready for something. You probably are. You need to do it, though, to prove it to yourself. Mm. And that's part of how I think you start to sort of get past imposter syndrome is just do it anyway. What's the phrase here? Fake it till you make it. Do you think um, imposter syndrome led to um, a lot of your self-sabotage because it was became a bit of a confidence thing and because you weren't confident to do it and then you'd talk yourself out of things and then well, you would self-sabotage? Good question. I'm going to I'm gonna drive you crazy here, Courtney, and answer the question with a question. Mm, of course you are. I, I know you love when I do this. Of course you are. Mm. Is imposter syndrome a form of self-sabotage? I would say yes. In that case, yeah, it is. Do you, but do you agree? Well, if you look at, the, look at the, the phrases and the definitions of both, I think it has to be. Because you are, in a way, holding yourself back. Now, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say you're irrationally holding yourself back because you don't know that you're ready for something until you do it and yeah. you prove it to yourself. Yeah. So I totally, I totally get it. But at what, at what stage are you, going to, are you going to be ready? If not now, when? Mm. It's no different, I think, from talking about imposter syndrome when people will say... I'm not ready yet to start my weight loss journey. When the fuck are you going to be ready then? You're not going to know until you do it. Mm. Like, what are you waiting for? Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah, it does. Is that how you started to get over that challenge? I was introduced to the phrase, fake it till you make it. Yeah. And that stuck with me the entire time. Yep. So that, that's what got me to, to coaching other personal trainers. For years. I didn't think I was ready for it, but I thought, fuck it, fake it till I make it. Yep. Just dive in. You know? And so it's not so much a phrase I use on myself now. Now it's just like, well, if I want to do something, I'll do it. Yeah. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. But for, jeez, 10, 12 years, it was imposter syndrome all the way. Mm. And I think... I think a lot of imposter syndrome, for people that have some form of success, you'll develop imposter syndrome in some ways because you haven't quite fully grasped or appreciated the accomplishments that you've earned. Mm-hmm. You, you, you can sort of talk yourself down, talk down the things that you've done rather than going like, actually, you know what? I just have a pat on the back here. I've done all right. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't had that pop up for, for a couple of years now. I'm not going to say I'm past it forever. But at the moment, I feel pretty good about it. Nice. It's interesting how you remember things differently too because I re- I just – if you had have asked me when we started our podcast, I would have thought that, now nah, we were just both like ready and excited to do it. Uh, the phrase I would use is, oh, shitting bricks. Yeah, clearly. Mm, big time. Well, it's also you're putting yourself out in the world. I know. So I probably was too, but it's just how you remember things differently sometimes. I'm sure mm. in the moment I was exactly the same as you. But before 
when you and I had the the idea of the podcast and, you know, we're going to do this. It's going to be about, you know, A, B and C. Here's how we're going to approach it. Back back then, I did a lot of study on you know, how to – the equipment, how to speak, how to record, yeah. how to edit, how to produce, like learning the process in and out because obviously you want to do it, you got to learn it. Yes. And so many times when I was, when I was doing these coaching courses on how to be a podcaster, I'm thinking, what am I doing? What am I doing? Yeah. Just stick with the gym. I'm glad I ignored that. It's also good though to reflect on these times because now that you've mentioned it, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I know that we had those conversations. But if you had have asked me 15 minutes ago, I would have said, no, we're both really excited to start the podcast. Well, as you know, I also have a weirdly accurate memory. You do. But I think we just – when you get comfortable at something – it's easy to think that it was always that comfortable. So sometimes it's just another good point of remembering that reflection is often good because it reminds you of how far you've come. I think it also helps you stay grounded. Yeah. And so for for me personally, it helps me stay connected with what clients go through. Mm. Like you listening, like it helps me relate to where you might be at the moment, because I just remember that I was probably the same place in yeah. some form or another. Mm-hmm. And it can be, I, I think, it can be a trap to fall into of kind of getting high enough on your own success, you kind of forget, like, actually, you know what? You started somewhere too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. And it's, it, there's something to be said about, Walking a mile in someone's shoes. Mm. There's not to me it, it having that 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 ability to stay grounded helps for me in some ways keep me humble. I mean, Courtney will probably say that word doesn't exist in my vocab, the word humble. Mm. But no, I'm I'm very open about where I've come from, challenges that I've had. Like I'm just like everyone else. The difference is I'm quit, and yeah. I won't. Yeah. I'm very hard to kill at this stage. Mm. All right, moving on to the next one on our list is our list, your list, um, is... What's yours is mine. What's yeah. mine is yours. <laughs> the importance of goals that matter to me versus goals that matter to others. There were there was a time a number of years ago where I thought to myself, I'm going to enter a bodybuilding contest. Why? Because every other fucking personal trainer was entering a bodybuilding contest. Want to know the truth? I don't give a rat's ass <laughs> about bodybuilding. I don't just <laughs> I just don't care. No. I mean, plenty of people do. Like, hey, if it floats your boat, like, please do more of it. Whatever makes you happy, go do more of it. If it doesn't hurt anyone else, I I, I just don't care. I just don't care. You know why I never succeeded at getting to a bodybuilding comp? Because you didn't care. It wasn't my goal. <laughs> it wasn't my goal. No. It was what I thought I had to do versus yeah. what I wanted to do. This is when I talk about goals. Mm. Needing to achieve things is different to wanting to achieve things. Yeah. Yeah. So plenty of people, in, in the case of bodybuilding, want to to get on stage and and do that. Like, high five, I'm with you all the way. Mm. I thought I needed to do it. I didn't want to do it. If you don't want to do something, you're not going to do it. You'll find ways out. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, so that was a big one. Um, with with goal setting, it's it's got to be personal. Mm-hmm. It's got to be something. I think there's almost like a, a drive or a passion there. And for me, as I've I've discovered over time, from a a personal standpoint, with my own sort of you know training, programming, nutrition, whatever, it just for me it always comes back to the, the our golden triangle: how you look, how you function, how you feel. Yes. I just want to be. I want to be in great shape. I want to keep a level of of, of high level of functional independence and athleticism for as long as I can. And don't you know? Like I'm I'm 45 now. I don't. What's that? <laughs> hey, I'm going okay. You are. I'm going okay. Yes. I don't want one of those people that gets into their 50s and they got the functionality like they're in their 80s or 90s. Like, no, thank you. Mm. I've earned this ability and, and a body that can do what it can do. I am keeping this as long as I can. Yeah. That's important to me. Mm. So at least half of the reason why I do what I do personally now is with an eye to the future to sustain what I'm doing mm. and not, you know, break down or break myself or lose lose for me the scariest thing is losing physical independence yep. i'm terrified of that i've gotten accustomed to being in a body that for the most part will do whatever the fuck i tell it to do mm. and can develop you know new skills new abilities whatever it might be i appreciate that a lot yeah but that's what's important to me yep same thing talk from a business perspective so I've been told in the past that things that have driven me in business have been wrong. Mm. So one of my one of my early goals, when, as you know, Courtney, when we were you know developing a business together, you know, getting closer in our relationship, etc. Man, I love video games. Shock horror, newsflash! I love video games, and I I had a dream for a long time. So I've had a collection for quite a while now of having a pretty good display of my gaming collection. And that drove me to work hard. So, you know, we we built a house. Yes. And I was able to carve out a good section of the house to set up almost like a gaming museum. Yes. But that drove me personally, and I was told that's not a, a, a realistic goal. That that's not a that's not a, a that's not a good enough goal. Fuck off, mate. It got me to work hard. I did not tell him that. I'm just going to point that out. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. That was not from me. <laughs> no, 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 no. You will never, you will never find a more supportive person than Courtney. Oh, that's nice. Straight up. I, I, I wouldn't be here without you. Oh. Just the facts, honey. Just the facts. That's so nice. Well, it's just, it, it's the truth. Like, I don't know where my life would be without you. Straight up. Oh. Okay, that's the end of the episode. So (laughs) definitely, no, definitely, I'm not referring to you. No. No, Court, I'll, I'll just put this on the record. I have never met someone as supportive as my wife. That's why we're married. That's why we're married. But no, it's, Courtney is... The best kind of enabler. <laughs> the best kind. The best kind. Only the good things. You're the best kind. You, you are the best kind of enabler. So no. But anyway, 
Love you, by the way. Thank you. You're the best. But I was told that wasn't a, that wasn't a very good goal. Yeah. Yet it drove me so hard. Yeah. Because because like you know you've been you've known me now long enough, Courtney. Like I'm a fucking gamer. I'll I'll, I'll be gaming until I'm in my nineties. Yeah. There's nothing wrong like with it's, that. It's, it's my thing. You need to like, have something that I'm, drives you, and that's like a, that's why telling somebody that their that their goal is silly is just one of the dumbest things that anyone could say to somebody. Because all that means, all that means, is it's silly to you. Mm. That that's literally all it means. <laughs> this is this is why when when people come to us, you know, they might put in an application to work with us. It's the first question we ask. What's your goal? What are your goals? What are your goals and why? When we ask that question, it is as open-ended as it gets. Hmm. It doesn't matter to us what your goal is as long as it matters to you and it matters enough to get you off your butt and doing what needs to be done to achieve those goals. And it's specific. It's literally the only thing that matters is that it's specific. Specific. Easier yeah. for you to say. Um, that literally, you're right. This is the only thing that matters. It does not matter if it is to have a gaming museum in your house or if it is to, you know, provide a, a house for your family or it's to run 20Ks next weekend. I don't really care what your goal is. As long as it matters to you and it's specific. Well, the thing is you need to have carrots. Yeah. You need to have carrots, right? So from from a work perspective, that carrot made me work so hard. Hmm. So hard. Because as I often like to say, the juice was worth the squeeze because the outcome to me was something I wanted bad. Yeah, which is the perfect example of goals that matter to you and not what matter to other people. Well, it's what I I want. And now plenty plenty of people – Probably couldn't relate to that, but it worked for me. Mm. And if if we all need carrots to incentivize us and and goals to chase after, but they're going to look different from person to person. So I'll I like to say there's no such thing as a right or a wrong goal. The closest thing to a wrong goal is working towards something that you think you need to do or you think someone else wants you to do. Mm. Because there's then there's no joy in the process. So I've I've actually always found increasing levels of contentment, I'll use the word again, joy and satisfaction from doing process oriented things because what I'm working towards is worth all that effort. So like again a work a work example, late nights doing study or learning new things or doing essential work, etc. like no problem to me because the outcome's worth it. Mm. You know, and you know, goals evolve. Yep. So it's the same thing now with go back, going back to a, like my perspective, you know, my training, my nutrition, etc. Like I, again, bodybuilding, I don't give a shit. Keeping what I've got for as long as I can, I give a real shit about that. Yeah. And that's at least half the reason I still go to the gym and I still train my ass off. Yep. And I don't miss – you You back me up 
How often do I miss gym sessions? Uh, I don't. I don't. Remember I don't. You missed. The last time I missed a gym session was when I had that bicep tear. When? Yeah. Hospital, probably last time. Operation. Yeah. Exactly. Or sick. Yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah. yeah That's yeah. when you've been sick. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so. Probably when you had COVID. That would have been it, actually. I, well, actually, I didn't miss the sessions. I did them in the garage. Oh, yeah, you made them up. Yeah. Because yeah. you're only really sick for a few, a couple of days. One but day. Yeah, we did them in the garage. But that, that, yeah. that one day I was sick, I did legs in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Probably didn't help your sickness, but yeah. Pass it a few that. days. All right. Moving on to the next one. Only a couple left. Beating yourself up for making mistakes. Mm, how common is this? So you make you make a mistake and you spend, what, hours, days, sleepless nights, running it back in your head. Oh, what if I'd done this? What if I'd said that? Oh, you stupid idiot. You should have done that. That is crippling. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. I know you can relate to this, Courtney. Yes. This will probably be on when, when I talk to you about your challenges. I have a suspicion this will be on your list. I think this could just be the list. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, <laughs> I think we could talk for an hour and a half just about this one alone. How we frame mistakes can be very empowering or disempowering. Yeah. So I used to frame mistakes as things I would, you know, beat myself up over. You know, you're, you're an idiot, you're a fool, you're so dumb, like you, you're a failure, like, you know, like all, the, all the common things. Mm. But it would just further dig the hole for self-esteem. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you, your level of self-worth just goes lower and lower and lower. Yeah. Through experience, applied experience and consistent experience, you then realise, well, actually, mistakes are normal. Mm. They're a part of the process. One good bit of advice I got from a business standpoint was mistakes are fine as long as they don't send you broke. Yeah, yeah. yeah great I've advice. heard that one before. That's great advice. I've heard that one before. It's mm-hmm. good. Great advice. And now we're at the stage where, you know, we said it a few times now, Courtney, like the sign hanging up here in the office behind me, forget the mistake, remember the lesson. And that's over time through experience as I realised that mistakes are a part of the journey and a part of the process. Every mistake you make should be an opportunity to actually learn something new and or improve. Yeah. So I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, I used to make mistakes and now I don't. Like, no, I fuck everything up. I'm just like a professional fuck up. Mm. I just learn from those mistakes and use them as learning lessons to improve next time out in a similar situation yep. or to learn something new. Mm-hmm. Like, you, I think you have to screw up in order to improve. Mm-hmm. The, the fear that a lot of people have, and I was one of them, is you're so afraid of making mistakes the best way to not make a mistake is to not do anything. Yes. Okay, what does that solve? How far are you going to get mm. with that mentality? But that held me back for a long time. Mm. Well, I can't make mistakes if I don't try. Yeah. Like, Yes, you, you will not make mistakes if you don't try. You also won't improve. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, just through 
through good old-fashioned experience and making enough screw-ups and somehow surviving them, you realize, oh, this actually isn't so bad. Mm. Now I make mistakes. It's like, cool, okay, where would I go wrong? It becomes an objective thing. Not so. And this is the thing as well. When you're emotional mm. and you are very highly strung, which when you're – you might be overweight, you're unhealthy, you're unhappy with yourself, you tend to be kind of a slave to your emotions. And that's where the mistakes and this whole bullshit perfectionist mentality, which is just a gigantic load of shit. It is. Like, <laughs> but again, I've got the, I've got the, the privilege of, of experience and perspective to be able to say this. But when you are very emotional about your health, the way you look, the way you might function, etc., mm-hmm. like... I can understand because I've been there having emotional reactions to making mistakes. Mm. But over time, you start to develop, again, this comes with consistency and sticking with it, you start to develop an ability to look at your mistakes objectively. Mm. So making a mistake for me now isn't about, oh, you're such a failure. It's like, okay, where'd I go wrong? Or what? What did I miss mm. on this? And, okay, where can I improve on this next time out? Okay, cool. Yeah. So the only reason I'm good at anything at all in life is because I fucked it up mm. a gazillion times. So now I do not beat myself up for making mistakes. I expect to make mistakes. And more than that, I expect to learn from them. Mm. I hold myself to that standard. Not sure what else to say there. No. I like that though. Thank you. All right. Um, next one, comparing yourself to others personally and professionally. Oy. This kind of ties in to you know, achieving your goals versus achieving the goals you think others want you to achieve. Mm. So it can be a danger and social media is one of the reasons why I am very wary of social media is how it's so easy to be caught in the trap of comparing your 99% to other people's 1%. Mm. By that, I mean you go, go, go to whatever social media platforms you use. And you might, let's say Instagram in this example, you might follow some, some fitness influencers or whatever on Instagram. More often than not, they're going to show you the top 1% highlights of themselves, their life, and what they're doing. And what people like us do is we'll compare their 1% to our 99% and think, oh, well, fuck, I'm screwing this up. Mm -hmm. Actually, you're not screwing it up. You're just not seeing their Mm screw-ups. And that creates noise in your head. And you think, well, I'm never going to succeed at this. No, there's just a lack of context around around the comparisons here. And it's the same thing. I'll see it even with clients that we work with. So you know, you might have you might have a client that's doing well. Their their progress photos are improving, and they're making you know, good physical changes, which obviously should be celebrated. You know, as you do. But then another client might look at them and go, well, oh, I'm not changing like that. Well, it must be easy for them. 
Now, slow your roll. Yeah. <laughs> Ease up. You don't know what other people are going through. Yeah. You don't know their backstory, their obstacles, their challenges. And this is the this is the the big flaw I see. And what help what's helped me stop comparing myself to other people is well. 99% of the time, I don't have the context behind what or who I'm comparing to. Mm. Again, the phrase I used before, I'm comparing my 99% to their 1%. Well, how's, that, how's that realistic? Mm. How's that reasonable? You know, ultimately, our journey is our own. Yeah. Like, if I'm being honest about it, there's only, there's only one me. So if I'm comparing myself to other people, like it's – is a fair on me? Is a fair on them? Mm. You know, it was the same thing with, from a professional standpoint, when you're in a, a large network of PTs, everyone's comparing themselves to the, you know, comparing themselves to the next PT, the business, how successful they are, how much money we're making, the hours that we're working, client successes, transformations that we're helping people achieve. It, it's almost like a tit for tat thing. Honestly, one of the best things I've ever done is to actually just pull back on PT networks and just focus on helping people. Yeah. And so I'm constantly on guard from a noise perspective of having in my mind like, okay, what's worth letting in and what's worth letting go? Yep. That makes sense. It does. Okay. It does. All right. Last one on your list, which is complacency. Biggest one. The one I am always, always mindful of, day in, day out, week in, week out, because this is the one that if any if any will get me and will continue to get me, it's this. Yep. This one's got me the most mm. over a long period of time. I'll start by saying complacency is normal. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunately expected. As part of why we talk about goal setting, why I believe we always need new carrots to chase and we always need new mountains to climb. Because otherwise you get a bit comfortable, you start to smell the roses a bit and all of a sudden complacency sets in. And there is no better way to sabotage good work than complacency. Mm-hmm. It's a very effective assassin at sabotaging progress. Yep. So I've had complacency set in various times in every aspect of what I do. You can have complacency with your training. So all of a sudden at the gym, you know what? You're pulling up a couple of reps short. Mm. So let's say you might be, you know, you're working at the 8 to 10 rep range for your weight sessions. Oh, I'll just get to my 10 and I'll just put the weight down. And if you're really pushing it, you might be able to get 12, 13, 14 reps. But, you know, I'll just pull up at 10. I won't increase the weight today. I think I can handle more. I'll just do it next week. Mm. With like intense cardio sessions, you don't quite go as hard as you know you can. The edge comes off. Form of complacency. Same thing with, say, meal prepping. No, I won't, I won't do it today. I'll, I'll just do it a couple of days from now. All of a sudden, the fridge is empty. Mm. You start making terrible choices based on the rule of proximity. You start to slip. Your standards start to slip mm. with complacency. Same with, I have it from a, a work perspective, attention to detail starts to drop. Mm. Little things you normally wouldn't let pass, you let pass. So it might be, oh, I'll just take today off and go play video games. 
classic complacency for me. Yep. You know, it's it's one where I have to be really mindful of it and I think all of us have to be mindful of complacency because it's the first thing I'll see with clients as well. Yeah. You might start, you know, you you might lose a dress size or two, lose a, you know, punch a few new holes in your belt because mm-hmm. your belt's a bit too big now. Yep. Or, you know, you're the sort of person that likes to weigh yourself. Oh, I've lost a couple of pounds, lost a couple of kilos. All of a sudden, oh, I've got this figured out. But your standards drop, don't they? Yeah. It's the first thing that happens when you start to get a bit of success. You start to smell yourself a little bit and think, oh, I've got this all sussed out. Here's a key thing with success in anything that you do. you got to stick with it. Mm-hmm. And a phrase I've, I've learned in the not-too-distant times is that the top of the current mountain should be the bottom of the next one. Mm-hmm. That is a, that is a um, complacency prevention method, yep. which is why one of my favorite questions when we have clients that really do well. It's the same question I ask myself. When you have any sort of success at something, well, what's next? Mm. Now, what's next? If, you, if, you, if you're someone where you've lost, say you've had a really successful weight loss transformation journey, you've got some really good results, and someone like me rolls up and says, cool, what's next? The answer does not always need to be something monumental. For a lot of people, to avoid complacency, a challenge can be, if you've had great results with your weight loss, keeping them. Mm. Keep what you've earned long-term. Easier said than done and a very rare thing. How how often do you get stories of people that will lose weight just to find it again and go through this endless circle, loss, gain, loss, gain, loss, gain. So the question of what's next in terms of avoiding complacency doesn't need to be something monumental. It can just be, hey, you've, you've achieved something great. Now try and hang on to it. Yeah. It's fucking hard. Yes, it is. You've got to keep working at it. Mm. But complacency is the one where I'm scared of it the most. Mm-hmm. And it's the one where I've been working hard the last few years on using it as something – almost like using it as a fear to keep driving me. So I'm not going to sit here and say, I won't get complacent. Me saying that is complacency. Yes. So it's constantly there. Mm. It's almost like a specter that haunts you, that follows you. Mm. But to me now, it's almost like fuel. Keep going. Keep going. Keep the standards high. But also, you've got to monitor it. Often complacency can set in without you realizing it. Like you might go, oh, you know, for a while I've, you know, I'll have two or three treat meals a week, or off-plan meals a week, and all of a sudden without realizing it, oh, I'm having six, I'm having eight, oh, I'm eating something, I'm eating takeaway food every single day. Mm. Once a day, but every single day. That adds up pretty, pretty quickly. You know? Mm-hmm. your standards can start to drop. So it's a, it's a, it's a constant thing to monitor. From a, With me, complacency can also be, for me, a lot around based around sleep. Yes. 
It's like all of a sudden, oh, I've been going to bed at midnight the last seven days. Mm. I feel like shit. <laughs> mm. Normally, I prefer to be in bed at like 9 o'clock, 9.30. Now I'm going to bed at quarter 12. I feel like shit in the morning. For me, that's a form of complacency. Mm. You get a little bit... You, Your standards drop. You just start to relax a little bit. Yeah. It's... For, just for me, at least, from a personal perspective... I don't think I'll ever put it in the rearview mirror. I've just got to be constantly on guard for it and mindful of it and just knowing and understanding and accepting this is a danger for me. I think it's a danger for most people. Yeah. And just understanding that, okay, to help mitigate the possibility of this, I've got to be working towards new things. Yeah. Or new challenges or new goals or new outcomes, whatever they might be to keep moving forward. Mm. Not sure what else to say on that one there. I think you've you've wrapped that up pretty well. Um, I know this is podcast is going for an extra long period of time for us, but I'd have a couple of questions that I want to touch on before we wrap it up because I figure if people have listened this long, then they don't mind waiting a little bit longer. Mm. Um, so I wrote down a couple of questions during this podcast because I thought that just to – I thought that'd be really good just to finish on. Um, my first one is you don't have to go into detail about how, but my question is, do you think you still struggle with any slash all of these that you've just gone through? I mean, obviously complacency you just touched on that you're still wary of that one. Um, Definitely complacency is the big one. Yep. The other one is time management. Yep. Because it's very easy to, oh, i got a spare few minutes. Let's go to YouTube. Yeah, distraction, yeah. Hours later. Yeah. You're down you the YouTube the rabbit hold. hole yeah. and you've accomplished two-thirds of fuck all. Yeah. So those would be probably the two big ones that you're, you're not necessarily still tr- struggle with, but you're very mindful of. Uh, without question. Yeah. Without question, definitely. Yep. Yeah, because I don't. I don't compare myself to anyone anymore. Like it's you run your own race. Mm. You know, yeah. actually, the person I compare myself to is me. Yeah. We are our own competition. Yeah. Like it sounds like a cliche, and it probably is a cliche. It's also true. Mm. So now we'll be complacency in time management. Like definitely not scared of gyms. Like I think I own every gym on earth now. Yes. Fear of um, being in public. I'd say you're pretty fine oh, with that now. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you live in your body long enough, you just, yeah, you, your filter just drops. It's yeah. like a, yeah. My next question would be how often, if ever, do you stop and reflect on any of these challenges? Complacency in time management all the time. Yep. I'm With time management especially, I'm always looking to be like, okay, how can I improve productivity? Mm-hmm. How can I be more efficient? Yep. Without compromising on... You know, spending time with you, spending time with friends, seeing family, doing my own interests and hobbies and things like that, or em- embracing and looking at new ways to improve how we work, improve improve efficiency, workflows. Like, okay, if I'm saving time over here, how can I reinvest it over there? Mm. And what can I reinvest that time into productively to help you know, improve me, improve us, you know, help clients more, whatever it might be. Yep. 
So I'm always mindful of that. And yeah, again, complacency. That's that. That's one where before you know it, it's slipped in the door. Yep. So yep. I would say for me, complacency and time management are a daily thing. Do you ever reflect on the others just to to know how far you've come or is it really not until you do something like this that you're forced to sit down and reflect that whenever you really we, think about whenever it? Whenever we have clients that go through something similar. That's when you do your it's yeah, easy. It's you reflect e- on absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah. because if you're going to give someone advice or support someone going through things like this, just think back to where you came from. Mm. I said before, it keeps you grounded. It also keeps you connected, mm. and it keeps you. It keeps you in a in a an area of empathy, mm. which you need to help people. Well, people that we help, we need to have empathy. Yep, it is possibly the most important trait we can have. Mm. Is being able to say to someone like, "Hey, you know what? What you're going through is normal." I've been there, or Courtney's been there, or Matt. Like you might say, Matt's been there. Whatever it is. We can relate to that. Yeah. It's okay. You'll be fine. Mm. Yep. Otherwise, otherwise, I think you can almost start to disconnect mm. from the people you're trying to help and then, pff, I just, yeah, that has disaster written all over it. Love that. I think to, to close, um, I didn't want to do like a top tip for everyone because I think you spoke a lot about tips on how you overcame these or how you've been working on these as you went along. But I think I thought maybe to close this podcast, you could just pick one tip, whether it be in general about working on challenges or whether it be to do with one of these specific challenges that you brought up in particular. Um, but just one tip that that we could give to um, everyone listening to walk away with. I'll give a tip about all of them summed up into one. Yep. Is that all these things I've been speaking about, successful people go through these things. Mm-hmm. Everyone goes through either these things or, or, or challenges like this. But successful people do as well. The difference is successful people know that they're normal and they accept it and they get on with it anyway. Mm. Like none of these things I've been talking about make me abnormal. Yes. They make me just like, you, Courtney, maybe just like you listening and everyone else out there. Yes. I just accept the fact that it's normal, it's okay, and I'll get by. Yes. That's the tip. It's okay, it's normal, you're not abnormal, there's nothing wrong with you, you're just like everyone else. I'm not that special and neither are you. Love that. Well, on that note, I think that was a pretty good podcast. <laughs> We've done well. Yep. I'm hungry. Yes. Probably time to go and eat. I think it's definitely time to eat. Thank you for listening. Oh, hey, thank you for speaking. <laughs> you, you weren't thanking me, were you? No. Thank you, Matt, for sharing your challenges with us. Thank you, Courtney, for asking the questions. Thank you, listening, for staying with us this long. This has gone long for a podcast. It has gone long, but hey, we weren't gonna we weren't gonna cut this one short. It's uh, it's a really important topic. So well, we we agreed a while ago. Every episode is as long as it needs to be. As long as it needs to or be, or as short as it needs to be. And this one just flowed this length. So thank you. Um, I hope you got something out of this. I'm sure Matt has hopes that you got something out of this. A hundred percent. Hope you got you something go. out of it. There you go. Uh, you know where to follow us. If you don't look on Facebook, hundred oh, percent. The weight loss podcast.
And that's it for us. The Wet Loss Podcast of Facebook. Yeah, come chill out with us. Come chill out. Remember, we do this end of this episode, end of this season. Sorry, we do have our Q and A episode. So make sure you um, think of any questions that you would like us to touch on. Ask us on our socials. Email us yep. podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. We love suggestions, feedback, thoughts, your own experiences. Yeah. As well, here's a question I'd ask. If you're still here after this long, these challenges that I've had to go through, which ones are you going through? Mm. Hit me up. Yep. Podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. Courtney, thank you. You listening, thank you. See you next week. Bye. Are you ready to share your success? Head over to our website for full access to our show notes, resources based on today's topic, and links to our Facebook group so you can share your story with our hosts and many others out there who are looking to achieve and maintain their health and fitness goals. You can find all that and more exclusively at theweightlosspodcast.com. 